Hey there, welcome to the Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour on the Ohio Network as well as BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I'm Chris. As always, I got Paul and Joe with me. How are you guys doing? Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one hard answer is always quality. I answer normally and I get mocked. Usually I answer weirdly and I get mocked. I can't win. <laughs> so give okay. the more interesting answer. All right. Is it better it's than Groundhog Day? Yeah, than good? I mean, yeah, what's more exciting yeah. than Groundhog Day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, most things. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. No. Probably. I don't even know. Did the thing see his shadow or what is it? What are we doing today? I think we're getting more. Six weeks of winter. Okay. Six right. weeks of winter. Great. Which right. we haven't. So I, feel, I feel like winter started like last week anyway. So, you know, <laughs> I, I look, you know, to remind our listeners, I live in Mississippi. So um, I'm not having the same storm that y'all are having. <laughs> yeah, we might get a rough. We may get a rough storm here tonight. Hopefully, everything goes okay. It was but nice hey, and warm here. Mm-hmm. We've got guests. We've got to introduce our guests. Um, one of my coworkers from the Cincinnati Choir. He covers the Bengals and Reds, and you know I've always liked Charlie beforehand. But he's telling me about his plans for the next couple weeks, and now I'm very jealous of Charlie. Uh, Charlie Goldsmith, he covers the Bengals <laughs> and the Reds for the Inquirer. Hey, Charlie, how you doing? Missed uh, meet you guys, see you guys. Uh, happy to be here. Fantastic. And um, you were saying you're going to be at the Super Bowl, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But right after that, you're going to Goodyear, Arizona to cover the Reds for the spring. Yep. What's uh, that going to be like? That's um, moving to wearing a different hat, I guess. I I love being able to cover the Reds and the Bengals. More time in Pittsburgh when you're on the MLBB. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Now you got to help me out. How do you make that work? I mean, so do you just rent a place for a while? Because obviously you're going to be there for a while in spring training. Yep. In spring training, we basically, the Inquirer team gets an Mm -hmm. Airbnb. And we're there for uh, for the duration. It's uh it's fun because it's a a really great like low low not low stakes but a relaxed low key is the word I was looking for environment to get to build relationships <laughs> to get to know the players and coaches to see what they're working on, um, and I love doing it. Now, I, obviously, you live in Cincinnati, right? Yes. In the area. So what's like, do you have family? We haven't met in person, so I'm not sure what yours. So um, I'm single, uh, no okay. kids, no wife. And it's it's much easier to go off to Goodyear for the spring when you, uh, you're just taking care of yourself. Yeah, Even though I, you might have more motivation when, <laughs> right. uh, when you have a house full of kids. You're like, you know what? I think I need to go to spring training this year. <laughs> well. I work on our digital side, and the nice thing about that is it's a work from home, so we get to work from home each time. But on occasion, I've shown my wife, I'm like, hey, there's an opening for a beat writer, and, and she gets mad when she hears that I would have to go away for half the time. So, Charlie, <laughs> you've got the life being single. That's the way of doing it, especially with covering both the Reds and Bengals. So you're on the road for a while, right? Yeah, um, especially lately. This was the part of the year I was, I was expecting to be on the road the least. But I love that part of it, too. I, I never got to travel much. Um, just growing up, I was always going to school, playing sports. Sports took away, you know, playing sports in the summer and in the winter. Um, you're focusing on that instead of going to different parts of the country. So I've gotten to see new cities. It'll be my first time in L.A. next week. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, so let's talk Bengals because I'm, obviously that's the big story of the week. I, I got a chance to talk to Anthony Munoz for the paper today. And it was funny because uh, he was telling me he got to 
you know, see the team in training camp. Um, he's their uh, color guy, right, for the, the preseason, preseason correct. Yeah. And it was funny because he said he thought he saw something. And obviously it would be kind of silly at that time to say, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to the Super Bowl. What did you see in training camp that made you think, man, this team might be good? Because like SI said 4-13, and 13, I know here on our show we weren't predicting too much for the Bengals. I'm sure you guys weren't predicting Super Bowl, but did you kind of look at this team and say, man, maybe something's looking good with these guys? So you can break it up into different stages, and you can do it with the offense and with the defense. The beginning of training camp, to be honest, Joe Burrow wasn't comfortable yet coming back from his knee surgery. That took him a, a couple, a week or two to adjust to. And Jamar Chase didn't have a strong start to training camp either. But there was something, and here's, I think, what uh, Anthony Munoz was talking about. That's where you saw the defense click. Hmm. A big thing was how much they were trash-talking, how much they were creating turnovers, how a unit, like 90% of the guys were – brand new or new starters um, clicked immediately and produced results so rapidly on the field. That was kind of the, the positive development of camp. And all that unit has done since then is progress and improve and make significant strides with basically every player on the entire defense having a career year. Yeah. It seems to me if the Bengals and no offense, but like some people are like, Oh man, they're one of the best defenses in, in, in the NFL. I don't know if I can exactly say that, but one thing I've noticed during their games in the playoffs is they seem to make the right plays at the right times. Like, they're not this, like, dominating steel curtain defense or 86 Bears or something, but it just seemed like they made that crucial play when they had to to win games, which is a sign of a good defense. What kind of taught them that? I mean, like you said, they all had career years, but it seemed like they just made the exact right plays at the exact right times to beat these teams. So the number one thing when the Bengals hired Zach Taylor in 2019, <clears throat> he said mm. he wanted, and Luana Rumo as well, hired him as their defensive coordinator. They specifically prioritized players with top-of-the-line football IQ, mm -hmm. players who were versatile, and players who were flexible. So, like, for example, a lot's been made of the halftime adjustment the Bengals made versus the Chiefs. In that, they were playing defensive end Sam Hubbard, some at linebacker. They were playing their safeties, doing everything from blitzing to playing in the box, stopping the run, to playing single high safety up at the top. Mike Hilton, uh, everything from blitzing himself to guarding every sort of wide receiver. There were a couple of plays where Mike Hilton was the single high safety. Everyone has to wear so many hats, and they specifically scouted for that. So when they needed to put them in the best position to be successful, they had more options on the table. In Pittsburgh, we know Mike Hilton. Obviously, Mike Hilton used to play for the Steelers. It seemed like there was some frustration between him and Pittsburgh. My guess, and I'm not sure if you've heard differently, was it just the fact that Pittsburgh just wasn't able to pay the money he thought he needed to get, and that's what kind of – because Mike took to Twitter all the time. He seemed to take a lot of joy in the fact that the Bengals beat up on the Steelers this year. Was it a money thing? Do you think that he may have stayed in Pittsburgh if he got the money he wanted? Yeah, um, the Steelers didn't prioritize him the way that other teams in free agency did. He told me that uh, he was weighing two other offers and neither of them was Pittsburgh. They, they weren't in the picture as much as he loved playing there. And then mm. before the week three game, he told that entire story to the Bengals in the night before game team meeting. And that was something they really rallied behind. You know, Mike Hilton is an example of this, but the Bengals have a number of guys on their defense who previous teams straight up just gave up on. Uh, Eli Apple is a very notable yeah. example of that as well. Um, Shinobi Awuja, he had a rocky relationship with Dallas. He kept getting hurt. He lost a starting spot. 
Um, there, Von Bell, the uh, Saints got, I believe, Malcolm Jenkins in for agency at strong safety. They said, well, Vaughn, your position's taken. Uh, best of luck to you. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, he's injured now, but Cleveland said, We're, we just see you as a nose tackle. We don't think you can rush the passer. And the Bengals put him at the three technique, and he had a career year when he was healthy. It's a number of guys who like didn't get a chance elsewhere and finally broke through in Cincinnati. What do you make of the offensive line? No, that's kind of a, a part where hey, – I'm trying to be polite here. It's, it's yeah. probably the roughest part of their team right now, but they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to play a really tough defensive rush when you look at Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and everything else like that. How do the Bengals get around that? You know what I mean? Like how do they say, okay, Von Miller, Aaron Donald's better than who we got, but how do we fend that off to try to win this the game we can have? Yeah, well, first of all, it's important to note statistically the Bengals right near the bottom of the league in most offensive line advanced metrics it's a unit that right now they don't have a right guard they were mm. rotating two guys in the afc championship game the right tackle uh, riley reef got hurt in december so for the last six weeks they've been playing isaiah prince who's getting his first meaningful nfl experience ever a six-round pick who was waived in 2019 opted out in 2020 was the last man to make the team this year is their starting right tackle in the playoffs uh it's not an ideal group but they, they made it here. They believe that having wide receivers, three of them who can create separation quickly, could overcome that. They have that. Uh, plus, Burrow is now the best quarterback in the NFL, I think, at escaping pressure inside the pocket with the ducks and shimmies and shakes he uses to shake Chris Jones off his back like you've seen. And his accuracy once he extends the play outside the pocket is as good as anyone you'll see. So the combination of all of those things, plus an offensive line that gives them more clean pockets than you'd think, um, got him here. When you look at Joe Burrow, I mean, great year. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't have a good year. I think the thing that impressed me the most about him was, you know, you get down 21 to three to the Chiefs, you throw like, what was it, six or seven straight incompletions. I don't think anyone would have said he's a bust if, you know, the Chiefs didn't win that game by 40. Because you say, oh, it's only his second year. He'll learn, he'll come back and everything. What impressed me was the fact that he was able to lead them back in a hostile environment in that situation and everything. Where do you see the sky is for Joe Burrow? I mean, I would think he would continue to get better in year three and four. He's got young offense around him. I, I mean, I mean, are we looking at like an Aikman-Montana ceiling? I mean, what are you seeing with this guy? Because I know in Steelers land, we're, you know, we're like, man, I don't want this guy to beat us for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah, I mean, with Joe Burrow this year, my favorite stat is that he led the NFL in yards per attempt. and He led the yeah. NFL completion percentage as well. So he was literally the most accurate and the most explosive quarterback, uh, plus all of the athleticism he provides you outside the pocket. Um, like, I don't even – like, what's fascinating about the season, too, is how many things he's improved on specifically during the year. The extended plays outside the pocket, the confidence throwing outside the run – Arm strength was the huge thing for him this offseason, and now he's slinging a 50-yard pass down to field Jamar Chase regularly. I think he leads the NFL in 40-yard-plus passes. Um, he's done everything even from a leadership standpoint. Burrow is the one who hosted all the Bengals players at a recruiting dinner uh, early in the free agency period in 2021. And by the end of that night, had them talking about setting big goals in Cincinnati, helping them get excited about joining the Bengals. Like, Burrow 
Burrow's the biggest reason why they're here. And, you know, I so know when would, you, uh, would oh, Cincinnati sorry, entertain a, a straight up trade Burrow for Mason, Mason Rudolph? Rudolph? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a great idea. Dwayne Haskins. We'll throw in Dobbs, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll give you all our quarterbacks. Well, you know, since Paul, Paul brought up, that was one of the things we definitely wanted to ask you about. I know you were covering the Bengals. I'm sure you've talked to people involved with other teams, but I know your focus is covering the Bengals. But, you know, like for the Steelers, you know, Big Ben's retired. Uh, there's a lot of question. Who do you go after? And I know, Charlie, if you become a new GM of the Steelers, what direction you would go if you, if you try to make the Steelers a better team? Yeah, well, first, I think they need more direction offensively with the coaching staff and schematically as well. There were, there were so many areas this year when I watched them and I didn't see a, a modern drop back West Coast style offense like it's taking over the league. Um, my opinion is, and I think the Final Four and the Super Bowl has been proof that you need to make the most aggressive move you can make for a quarterback. I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think that's him. I like uh, Derek Carr, but I don't think that's him. I like uh, Matt Ryan, but I don't think that's him at this stage of his career either. I think the I'm doing a story like the look at all the teams that pay wide receivers that have invested the most in wide receivers. If you then have a good quarterback too, you're one of the best teams in the NFL. The Steelers yeah. kind of have the receivers, so if they get one of those very good quarterbacks, it could change them very very quickly. And I think the best path to do that probably is the draft uh, because with what they have to give up to get them too. And plus like the inconsistencies you've consistently noticed with Garoppolo, Carr, Ryan, I think you have to take a swing on one of the quarterbacks. It takes a swing to get that level of offensive leadership you need and uh, again, surround them with the best possible system to be successful. And I'm assuming you're looking at the big quarterbacks as Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Or if you can get Rodgers or Russell Wilson, that's a different story. But do you think, okay. do you guys think the Steelers are getting Rodgers or Russell Wilson? That's a well, – Well, I'll put it this way. If you talk about the big swing – That would be – I would put that in that category. I would trade okay. if I could get Rodgers or Russell Wilson. What do you think the market's going to be for Deshaun Watson? I mean, theory – you would say, well, Deshaun Watson should be up there, but you know, you've got the allegations, you got the fact he hasn't played for a year. Um, you know, the NFL seems to kind of swoop in after you know they figure out the allegations and say, Hey, you're suspended. I mean, uh Big Ben, you know, looking back at what was it, 10, 15 years ago when he had his allegations, I mean, they still suspended for four games, even though it really didn't get tried in court. Um, I I mean, would you say Watson would fit in that? big swing tier, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure if you would. I'll be honest, like just because of the situation Cincinnati's and I haven't looked in specifically at the Watson market and the current status of that. Um, I watched him play last year. Very good quarterback. Obviously a lot going on that you mentioned. Well, and I got to tell you what scares me. And we were talking about this every week on the show. You know, we watched the chiefs bills game and they're just scoring points like crazy. Bengals know how to score points. I think the Bengals, Offense will become more potent next year mm-hmm. once these young guys grow up. I mean, you know, these guys are, geez, Jamar Chase is a rookie. You know, I mean, you would think that he has a higher ceiling than even he had as a rookie. And I'm looking at AFC's arms race. I mean, you can't go into next season with Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins and you're and, facing. Like, Burrow you can't even and, go into the AFC with Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr or Matt Ryan. That's, yeah. the level, that's the bar in the conference right now. And you have to take your big swing to match it. Well, and here's the thing that frustrates me. We're going to talk about this later in the show. Um, 
do they stand a chance of offending some of their bigger players like a Najee Harris or a TJ Watt if you just go and say, all right, we got, you know, Mason Rudolph, we got Dwayne Haskins. Do you feel like you lose that? I mean, I mean, look at the Bengals. I mean, before, you know, they had Joe Burrow, sometimes they had to trot Ryan Finley out there and stuff like that. I mean, how what role does that play on the team? I mean, I'm sure the skill players want to see that top-skilled quarterback playing with them. Well, that's the thing. Like, the question is, do you think you have a contending roster or not? In 2019, when the Bengals were stuck with – not stuck. Andy Dalton right. was in his last year with the team – they ended up benching him for three games for Ryan Finley. They went on to win two games. They fully transitioned to the rebuild mode that season. And then in 2020, they had Burrow until he got hurt and Finley and Brandon Allen split time. Obviously not an ideal situation, but but they were backups. Um, if you want to hit like a Miami Dolphins-like reset button and shift the window down the road two years, um, that, that can be the solution to get the best possible quarterback in the 2023 class. Um, but, but again, that's an extra year where you already have TJ Watt in his prime. You have a very, uh, Mick Fitzpatrick in his prime. You have a very highly regarded secondaries and very highly regarded outside linebackers, Cam Hayward, um, all, all those guys. That's the question. Do you want to push that back a year or do you think you can surround Kenny Pickett or Malik Wills or, or someone like that with the right coaching, I think is huge. Plus really good skill position players. I love Pat Freemuth. Um, surround them and be successful that way, like Mac Jones this year, for example. Yeah, but the challenge is you got to make sure you get that right guy. I mean, like for the Bengals, you know, they hit gold when they hit Joe Burrow, but you know, there's some other guys that Bengals brought in over the past 20 years that you know, in paper, they look great, but it just didn't work out. So it's tough. Charlie, awesome information. Hang loose. I, I really got to do a um ad here and we'll come right back and talk some more Bengals and Steelers. Uh, on the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com network. Hey, this is Chris from the Highwind uh, Network. Just want to also tell you that Paul, Joe, and I do an etc. show where we get goofy, talk about some of the strangest news stories out there. Lots of food. We're going to talk about that later tonight. So uh, check it out here on the Highwind uh, Network. All right, we're back here on the Pittsburgh Sewer Power Half Hour on the Ohioan and the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com network. Uh, it's great to have Charlie Goldsmith. He covers the Reds and the Bengals uh, for the Cincinnati Inquirer. And obviously, Bengals are the big story. They, they're in the Super Bowl, and it's been great talking about the Bengals and where the Steelers are at right now and see if the Steelers can kind of get back to the Bengals level. It sounds weird saying this because if we had this conversation two years ago and we said, oh, we'd be like, what? Get to the Bengals level? But, hey, we're here and, you know, we got to deal with it. Um, Yeah, so a couple of thoughts real quick. Um, What's the thoughts down there about Big Ben? Let me phrase it like this. You know, the Bengals and Browns are some of the Steelers' biggest rivals. The Steelers have been lucky because Big Ben beat up on the Browns, beat up on the Bengals. I think we got used to it as the Steelers. We just took it for granted. And now it's not that way. What What's the mindset down there to, to kind of break that tide where you say, all right, you know, Big Ben's retiring and it's good because we beat him the past three times. Does that kind of place a 
were players in the team feeling it too? I mean, I'm sure it ticked off Bengals fans down there. But but did the team say, dang, why can't we beat this team? Or why can't we beat this guy in Big Ben? Yeah, I think, I mean, that was the defining, not concern, but the, the defining theme of the early 2000s with the Bengals. Like, my lasting memory of Ben Roethlisberger is going to be that playoff game in the 2015 season where he yeah. hurt You know the game I'm talking about. Um, he hurts his shoulder, goes to the locker room, who knows what happens in the locker room? Then he trots out, can't raise his arm above this high. Uh, underhand throws his way down the field to lead the Steelers to the game-winning field goal in regulation. I mean, that kind of stuff, the Bengals couldn't top for 13, 15 years, uh, as far as you want to look at it. Um, it was funny. Like, I remember this season, I did a story. I talked to different Bengals players and coaches about their Ben Roethlisberger horror stories. Mm-hmm. They couldn't bring him down. A moment he extended a play outside the pocket, made an 80-yard throw. And that was a theme, and that was real. And Roethlisberger is a future Hall of Famer who is the defining quarterback of the entire conference for 15 years, close to 20 years. And, um, you know, he's the kind of guy, too, I don't think there'll be another guy quite like him because of his size, because of just his physical presence in the pocket and how he used that to, to solve a lot of problems that come up when you're a quarterback in the NFL in a really unique way, that'll always stand out to me about that. He definitely was the quarterback he was a couple of years ago. It seemed to me, especially like thinking about that Ravens game where they had to win to get in the playoffs, he almost willed them to win, not based on his passing ability, just because he was getting older and everything, but it just seemed like his smarts, his better leadership and stuff like that. I, I got to be honest, and Charlie, tell me if I'm wrong. I used to think that his receivers – I mean, I know Paul and I started this two years ago, and I remember I think it was our first podcast. We're like, "Wow, the Steelers receivers! What the? They're the strength of the team. Look at them and everything." And I can, I mean, was it the fact that Ben couldn't throw the ball down the field as much? But the Steelers receivers have struggled to be polite. I mean, you know, we talk about Jamar Chase making these leaps and bounds throughout the season. Um, Paul and I were hoping that Chase Claypool could do that. And, I mean, he's making leaps and bounds. It almost seems like be either in place or the other way. Deontay Johnson's dropping balls and everything. Do you think part of it's because Ben just couldn't throw it down the field or was something else going on with receivers? Yeah, my memory. Oh, sorry. I, I'm just going to say, why can't we have receivers like yours? <laughs> so. My memory of the Steelers' offense was, um, in that November game in particular, was basically the whole offense was like throws behind the line of scrimmage plus 30-yard fades down either sideline to one of the receivers, and there was very little use of the middle of the field and use of their speed in the middle of the field, which, you know, Johnson especially, but Claypool as well is a strong physical fast presence over the middle. Um, overall, you have a third option you like in Freemuth. I think Najee Harris did a lot successfully and really impressed me with his ability as a pass catcher this season. Um Behind them, you know, it, it always helps to have more options. But overall, I thought there were just more areas to use the middle of the field. But maybe a piece of that was Ben's arm strength not being where it needed to be to zip a ball into your slot receiver and fit it right in between the safety and the linebacker. Yeah, it, it was just – it was sad. And, you know, having a guy like that for 18 years, I mean, I, I guess you can't complain too much. But you're like, man, this is the old guy, so it's tough. So, so what's your week going to be like? You're you're here in Cincinnati now. I know you've been writing a lot of stories about the team and everything. When are you heading out to LA? Heading out on Tuesday. Oh, next Tuesday. Okay, yes. wow. 
So what's the week of middle? Yeah, of course. Okay. What what's the week like? I'm sure there's going to be like team activities that you need to cover each day or practices, press conferences, stuff like just basic stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's nothing. Not like I'm going to a Snoop Dogg concert or anything, but. Okay, yeah. Why not? Well, I, I know your bosses. I know your bosses are going to be like, oh, Charlie could go hang out, have fun. Are you going to have any downtime? Like, to maybe just walk down the road or go to sure. Lakers game? Yeah, I'll, I'll do lunch and stuff. But, um, no, I'm, I'm very excited about the event. And I, who knows? Like, you, you don't decide to start covering the NFL because you want to cover a Super Bowl because that seems so unrealistic. You know what right. I mean? No matter what team you cover, it's so hard to get to this point. So I, I want to take it all in. I want to be around the inv- the atmosphere and the environment. Who knows when I'll get a chance to be at a Super Bowl again, even from my perspective, just from a coverage perspective. It, it's a great opportunity that I feel honored to be able to to give it my best shot and, and see the best, how good of a, you know, to see if I can do my best. Well, it's got to help too. I I got Kelsey, your partner. She, she's going to be there too, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. It's, it's got to be helpful that at least we're investing in. It's not like Charles, like, oh man, I got to cover this whole thing by myself. I mean, you got another full timer with you. And I, I think, I, I just heard today in the meeting, I think the Inquirer's saying a news reporter over maybe. And Pro, that sounds, yeah. Sounds like a great idea. I'll, I'll okay. <laughs> And just a plug for me, you got me um, in the office writing lots of crazy Bengals stories. So support local journalism, read all the stories. It should be fun. Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's going to be a challenge. Obviously it's going to be a busy night. There's going to be a lot going on. But, you know, with the team we got there, it's going to be – I'm sure it's going to be a little easier because of that. So Of course, yeah. That's what we need. We're a team. That's what we do. Now, what are you guys doing about the print? I know, like, with print deadlines, it's always been a tough thing. Are you guys holding print that night? I'm sure that'll come up at a meeting at some point. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? I haven't, I haven't gotten that answer yet. I haven't heard the official word yet. Um, it's a challenge. Um, Paul and um, Joe are journalists, but uh, just with the challenges the papers face, you know, sometimes the print deadlines have to be much earlier. And I think it's one thing that the Inquirer is trying to figure out because it would be nice on Monday to have that Super Bowl coverage, especially if the Bengals come in. And, you know, it's one thing that in journalism we always struggle with and you know, trying to figure out. So should be good. Uh, is there any Super Bowl parties? I mean, I know I'm yeah, sometimes – Okay. I haven't been invited yet. So fingers, no, nah, just kidding. I'm, I'm, it's a work trip, business trip. Business trip. <laughs> Let's well, just it's... keep saying that publicly. This yeah, is a yeah. business trip. <laughs> We're not here for the parties. And, I, and I'd love the, uh, the the sliding in there. I'm not going to a Snoop Dogg concert, but you are. It's halftime. Yeah. The halftime show is a Snoop Dogg concert. I like to think Snoop Dogg's thinking right now, you know, who is the – the local Cincinnati journalist that I need yeah. at my concert this week. Uh, yep. That's what he's thinking. <laughs> Charlie, but I found out today and I'm stunned by. Do you know the last Super Bowl halftime show of a Bengals Super Bowl? I don't know. They brought out this Elvis impersonator called Elvis Presto. I'm writing about that tomorrow and I'm stunned. I mean, we're used to the Snoop Dogg or, you know, U2 or Tom Petty halftime shows. Man, it's come a long way from the old Super Bowls. I can't believe that. I mean. 
you know, one of the, one of the highlights of my year, I went to Cleveland for a baseball series. Mm-hmm. And the Sunday game got rained out. So I said, I'm making this a day. And I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they had an exhibit on the history of Super Bowl halftime shows. Oh, that wow. was one of the coolest things I've seen this year. So I'll give that a nice. That's and, cool. And you probably never thought at the time you're like, I'm going to be at that next one. Yeah. <laughs> you see, what's funny is like, if I were now writing a story about myself, that would be the lead I would use. Charlie's walking around the halftime shows, not thinking that. Oh, Eight yeah. Later, he'll be at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call in there. Maybe, um, okay, we're journalists, so you know we're not you know sitting there like you're not going to wave your Bengals pom poms or anything like that. What do you think? And again, I don't want to. I'm not sure if you guys are doing a prediction story later, so I don't want to break any confidence or anything. What do you think the Bengals' chances are? I mean, I think it's fifty fifty. I mean, what do you think? It's a uh, two great teams. My pick right now is the Bengals. I think they have the better quarterback, the more explosive offense, and a defense that lately is creating turnovers on a more consistent basis. When I pick a game, those three things that prioritize the most, and the Rams have a ton in their favor. They have the best stars in the game. They have the best pass rush by far. They have elite receiving threats in their own right with Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup. But again, I think the Bengals have the edge in those three areas that I prioritize. So who knows? Very good. I, and one now, I was planning to root for the Bengals, but now I find out that Pac-Man Jones doesn't want me rooting for the Bengals. Yeah. So it, am I allowed to root for the Bengals? Is, is that going to be offensive if I root for the Bengals? I, I guess you'll have to ask Pac-Man. Is, I try <laughs> to live my life by thinking, what would Pac-Man do? Is, is, I, yeah. I, whether it's Pac-Man Jones or like the actual <laughs> video game character, both of them are good life choices for me. I know that there's been a lot of controversy in the Steelers, you know, uh, subculture world of of fandom where people have been getting very upset that uh, any Steelers fans would actually be rooting for the Bengals. And I had to keep reminding everybody in, in the, in the chats that I was in that, like I was rooting against the chiefs. Do you understand? <laughs> I, I was happy to, to for the not Chiefs to make it to the Super Bowl. That's Team what I Whoever you want to root for, that, that's just enjoy the game. That's my that's my take. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It should be a good game. I was really happy with the way that last weekend turned out. Yeah, and Charlie, maybe we've been drilling too long, but I, I guess I'm saying if your team doesn't make it, why do you have to root for anybody? Yeah, right. Why can't you just watch the game if you don't care about the game? I'm rooting for the commercials and I'm rooting yeah. for the nachos. That's yeah. what I'm rooting for. <laughs> okay, now I don't want to keep you too long, but halftime spread. I, I know <laughs> covering these games in the past, I haven't covered the Super Bowl yet, but I've covered my fair share of yeah. NBA and baseball games. <laughs> Is the food – what's the food supposed to be like? I guess we'll see. It was burgers okay. at the NFC title game, but <laughs> okay. for the Super Bowl, they lay out the red carpet. Are you going <laughs> to do lobster? That's what it's going to be. Well, well, I'm wondering if they're thinking like, okay, let's make this like a Super Bowl party. Obviously, they're here to work, but we're not going to skimp on the food. Like, it's not going to be, you know, crappy White Castle. I mean, it's going to be, you know, they're laying out everything, so it should be good. I guess, you know, I've, as I said, I've never covered a Super Bowl before. It's more I'll learn. But you got to report back to us. We need to know about the food <laughs> at the Super Bowl. This is These are the important things to us. Will there be Skyline Chili? That's a great question. Oh, please Will they serve actual Bengal Tiger? No, yeah, that's yeah. probably not legal. You can't do that. Please do not do that. 
this has been great, Charlie. Now, one other thing I, I just thought about. We, I'm, I wish we could have had you on earlier. I wish I had this idea earlier. But during the season, we did a – we tried to be funny. So we did this show where each week we came up with five reasons why the Steelers in Pittsburgh are better than the city that we played. <laughs> I know that, you know, Bengals players, hey, you know, they work hard at practice. They go home. I'm sure they checked their Twitter or maybe they just scan the internet. You didn't hear any Bengals that heard the show, right? Like, no one was like, what the heck is this? No. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> we, we were kind of... We the, were, the quickness of the yes. answer and the firmness of the answer were well, equally insulting, sir. Well I, was a little, well, I was a little bit nervous because I wear two different hats. My full-time job, you know... <laughs> Health benefits is with Gannett, so I cover the Bengals and Browns and help edit stories and optimize them and all that other good stuff. But those weeks got nervous, thinking, "Man, if the wrong person hears this, there could be some trouble." So I'm actually glad that you quickly said no. <laughs> if you said Jamar pulled you aside and said, "Hey, what's this guy? What's he doing?" I, I would start to sweat. So I'm really glad. So. Charlie, it's been a thrill. And uh, I mean, honestly, it, lots of great information. I really appreciate what you had. Um, uh, Reds are going to be better than the Pirates this year, I'm guessing, right? You know, Paul, would, Paul likes the Pirates. I'll say this their new young shortstop. I'm all in on O'Neill Cruz. I'm all in Ooh, on him. Okay. He's like 6'7. It's crazy. For the Pirates? <laughs> yep. Wow. Okay. Wow. So not so short in the shortstop. That's crazy. Yeah, what's that? Basically, you... reaching from second to third with the <laughs> wingspan. We'll have to have you on back to, to talk about that sometime. That's fascinating, Charlie. Thanks so much for your time. I, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for checking out. You, you know, the Pittsburgh Steel Power Half Hour um, here on the Highwind and um, the network. Have a great day, everybody. Uh, thanks again. Have a good one. See you guys. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.